Welcome to God's Glorious Grace, a podcast from Hope Church Harrogate, where we are asking the question, have we really understood the grace of God? We're taking a deep dive into Ephesians chapter 1, considering a phrase of that chapter in each episode, and asking first what it teaches us about God, and second, how that affects our lives, hopefully with a good dose of warmth and fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Forgiveness opens that door for this extraordinary exploration of of relationship with God and and it just ignites love for him. So welcome to this next instalment of God's Glorious Grace. We're making our way through the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and we have arrived at the stellar phrase the forgiveness of sins. And this is the phrase that's central, isn't it, to so much of the Christian life. It begins and ends with this reality, the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. And so important is this topic that we're splitting it again into two sessions. There's just too much to say. It's a joy to be joined by my good friends Mark and Rachel. Hello! Once again, uh, we're together enjoying looking at God's glorious grace together. And we're going to be diving into the forgiveness of sins today. But let's read it in context so we can understand uh, what goes on around it in this passage and what Paul is getting at. And Rachel, it's your turn to read for us. Thanks. I just want to say to everyone who's listening, we have such a good time recording this podcast that I hope it's helpful for you because for us, it's fantastic. (laughs) So it really feels like an extension of family when we're talking to you guys. So I'm glad that you can join us. Right, what am I saying? We're reading. Oh, Ephesians 1, 4 to 8 is what we're doing right now. And it is this. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Fantastic. So let's make sure we're understanding what we're reading here, first of all. So we've got the forgiveness of sins. I guess, what is that? And then we can go on to what does it tell us about God? How do we understand this phrase, the forgiveness of sins? It's plural. That's part of it. Who wants to kick us off with a, an understanding of what it means? Well, I want to rephrase the question, I guess. For me, when I look at forgiveness of sins, I think I've always rushed, first of all, to the forgiveness bit. Sort of like, woohoo, the forgiveness bit. And I think, for me, there's something really powerful about exploring what we mean by sin and sins. Because I think, particularly in our tradition, it's something that we, I don't want to say skip over, but it's nothing we want to dwell on too much. And for me, sometimes that leads to a vagueness of understanding that actually ends up coming back to bite us in the bum. Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) Oh, wow. Thanks. I was was trying to adjust myself. But it it comes back because if we don't truly understand sin, then we can't truly understand grace, and we can't truly understand that. And so for me, 
I think there has been, everyone comes from different traditions and almost has different analogies of what that is. You know, some people view sin as hurting God, almost like you kick him in the shins and because of Jesus, he has to forgive you. Other people view it as something that, you know, you're buried under or something that you're a slave to. And we have all these analogies that we live on. And I think depending on how you view sin is often how you view grace. Yeah, and obviously um, our understanding of sin would also colour the wonder or not the wonder of the forgiveness that is being given us. Um, I love what Jesus said to the lady when he said, you know, she who's been forgiven much loves much. And sometimes our potentially our def deficiency in our love and devotion to Jesus because we have a poor understanding of the nature of his forgiveness, but not only that, then my my sinfulness uh, in that. And um, so I've just been given some thought to that because we had mentioned this uh, a couple of weeks ago, what is sin? Uh, and immediately my mind goes to lists uh, of what I shouldn't do and what I should have done. Yeah. Uh, and what is my intentional sins and what are my sins of uh, absent-mindedness? Uh, I can't remember what the Anglican phrase for that is, but you know, you, you have those sins. Unintentional. Unintentional sins. But I, I just thinking about, about it and looking at Genesis 3 and looking at Romans 1, and I, I sort of came up with this really, that actually uh, s the, the things I do are the fruit of something else. And, and I think there's the, the something else is this whole thing that there's an innateness in our human nature that wants to be God. And so there is something about the defence of my realm and my desire to be God of my realm, the Lord of my realm, coupled with this willful deliberateness to ignore that God exists. And I think for me that combines the, the Genesis 3 and the Romans one and then out of that do I sin and I was trying to test it because I think sin is rooted in believing a lie so if I feel my realm is under attack because you're challenging me to a behavior or something that's been done so I lie to push away and, and defend my realm why am I selfish actually because I need to feed my realm and so I feel for myself, it's, it, it, it's fruit, we are obvious, but the heart of it is that desire to be God and that willful, deliberate suppressing of who God is and def defining him as, as in me. Interesting. So for you, sin is less about listing the things that you've done wrong and more about addressing the heart behind what causes the behavior that yes. is named a sin. So for you, it's less of coming to God and saying, I lied two times today, I'm really sorry, and more about re-looking at the heart behind the behavior that has yes. come out. Yeah. Is, that, is that a yes. fair? Yes, so, so um, I, I, I've had the joy of, of, of helping guys through issues of pornography. And sometimes it's been very unsuccessful, but in recent years, what I have discovered is actually the root of pornography has been a, a disbelief, believing a lie, that God didn't really love them. Mm. And the shame of that, spending time with them coming through into the love of God has completely set these guys completely free from their pornography because pornography is the fruit of something. Mm. And so for me, it's taught me, actually, no, the outworking... So yes, we can say, Lord, I'm sorry I lied to my wife, mm. but then we need to be saying, Holy Spirit... Why did I do that? What was the root? I feared 
Oh, what did I fear? I feared looking foolish. My realm was going to be diminished. That would be. Hmm. Interesting. And so the heart behind it, because I think there's a, a good parallel thing going on here, is the re- there's redemption through his blood, the forgiveness yes. of sins. There seems to be a parallel or a development of what's going on. And so if we're, like for you, looking at sin as the, the heart of the issue, is that something that gets forgiven or is that something that where redemption is the more active thing? So perhaps let me, yeah. how I might see it, actually we're redeemed from the power that's holding us we are delivered as we talked about yes. last time out but then we're also forgiven we're acquitted for the things that we did in that realm and so there's this twin thing going on that god has both delivered us and acquitted us we haven't just been rescued we've had the slate wiped clean as well there's two things and i think sometimes we can think oh he's just done one and so you know when we struggle with areas of sin in our lives and we just can't seem to break free we can go well i feel like i've been forgiven but i haven't been delivered and for some people, they're yes. like, well, I feel like I've been delivered from it, but I don't think he could ever forgive me. And I've got to spend the rest of my life making amends to God. Yes. But actually, the glorious truth here is he's both yes. redeemed us and forgiven us, delivered us yes. and acquitted us. Do you think, do you see that twin element going on? Yeah, because I think that's what you've just described is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's the forgiveness but also to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And there you've got forgiveness and redemption. We get his righteousness. We are, you know, that's imputed and imparted to us, but also we get forgiveness. So the two do play together. Yeah, that's really helpful. And because there is a significance, isn't there, in that often Paul, uh, in the New Testament, he'll talk about sin, singular, as a, as a power, as a state mm. of the human race. But here... It's sins, it's plural, there's a a difference uh, and I think there's actually something really significant about the the way that redemption and forgiveness go together here and we've got to understand Mm. that both have happened for us and if we we lack one, we've just missed it, Mm. you know, you're not in freedom at all because both constrain us. Mm. Yeah, I think if if I'm thinking about it, I think I probably, in my journey of connecting with God about this stuff, I almost see it as a symptom and the root and so for me, when I when I notice I am sinning, when I am making choices that are terrible and when I am unwise with my mouth and when I, when I do those things, I make those choices, I do those actions that I know to be against God, against others, when I re- repent, when I come to him and say, oh God, I've done these things and I am so horrified of that, uh, forgive me for, for that, I just want to be clean of those things, but God what is up with me? (laughs) And so we end up having a deeper heart question of what is going on inside me, God, that has led me down this path. And that there's, and I find that just having the heart conversation doesn't make me feel free as without that, God, this is, this is what I have done. Look at what I've done. Sweep this away, God, and, and transform me from inside. It's that symptom and root. And if we, if I only ever do the, the symptoms, then I find I'm in that Paul's, why do I do what I don't want to do when I don't do the things that I know I really should do thing that he says in Romans, which I love. Uh, but then I, I never get to the heart of it, but if I only get to the heart of it, then I've never faced what that heart of it has done, you know, has worked out for me. So for me, it's that yes. symptom and root thing that I tend to think of. So doesn't that say something wonderful about who God is? Mm. Because to be redeemed... Is, is absolute. We, we needed to be redeemed. We talked about being brought from the dominion of darkness yep. into the kingdom of his son mm. last time. But that would be great. 
But God wants more than that because he knows that we come with this baggage, this burden mm. of guilt, of shame, of regret uh, that we carry. And he knows that our freedom would not be fully expressed as sons and daughters of God with even though we were living in this new kingdom, even with a new nature, we were carrying something that would dictate our future. And, and the past, he doesn't ever want it to be what dictates our future. So we'd be all operating out of our past brokenness. So wonderfully, that's what the forgiveness of sin does. It unlocks freedom. It is actually the key to freedom because forgiveness then takes that burden. He lifts that burden, as we will see perhaps later but he then separates us from that he separates it from us as far as the east is for the west and and it tells us that he's not going to treat me according to what my sinful past is yes i might have been brought from that kingdom to this kingdom but actually i don't have to fear what my past was and it doesn't affect now the reconciliation because again forgiveness is about this being reconciled to him he had to do something yes he had to redeem us but he then had to do that work of reconciliation which of course his forgiveness implied to us actually brings us into that knitted relationship with him but it's then broken from us that we are absolutely free i think remember we may have mentioned this before, but does God remember you know, we, this talk, this concept of when he looks at, at us as a forgiver? Is he going, wow, you've done a lot of stuff, but I forgive you. But that, that view of us is still in his head. Or, when, or is his forgiveness so complete that he doesn't, he no longer sees the past when he looks at us? Is, is it a complete wiping of his memory? Or is it a setting aside? Talk to me about what, what the nature of his forgiveness looks like in his heart, Adam. I think it was in the pilot episode where we were talking about forgive and forget and is that a realistic thing? Yes. That was a fascinating conversation, which you can't listen to, listeners, because it's hidden in the realms of uh, the cloud. But um, there's something of, for me, I think it isn't that God just forgets it, but that he no longer associates it with me. Mm. So... God has done everything that's required. It's still there. He's still aware of everything that has happened, but it's no longer associated with me. I'm a new creation. I was born again. The Adam that did that is dead. Uh, he's aware of the, the price that he paid himself and that Jesus paid. Uh, I think if, if, you, if you start thinking, well, it's just completely gone. It doesn't exist anymore anywhere. That gets you in tricky water. I think it, it does, but it's just nothing to do with me. God has done what was required to separate me from it. So as far as the East is from the West. So he's not, every time I come and ask for forgiveness, he's not going, right, I'll add that onto the bottom of your long list of what I've forgiven yes. you for. Once I'm forgiven for those things, that, that list is gone. And there's no connection to Adam Price anymore. Yes. Um, and so that would be how I would understand it. It's still there, but it's not yeah. associated to me at all. I think that's really helpful because for me, in my relationships with people, I know if I'm late once, then, you know, then there's forgiveness. The second time through, then I'm developing a reputation. By the fourth time, I'm just horrified and embarrassed and I can never talk to this person again <laughs> because I feel like I've, you know, I'm buried under my past, my, my history of this thing. And even if that person forgives me lots of times, I feel like there is a coloring of how they see me. And I really like how you describe that because that means 
that sort of idea of his mercies are new every morning, that I can come to him and say, God, this is, and he doesn't go, oh, again? Like the sense of deep disappointment that God doesn't have in his yes. heart yes. for us, that I can come and access yes. that and live in that freedom because his eyes are clear when he looks at me and his heart is full. That, that newness of his forgiveness, I think is really powerful yeah. for me. Because I think there's a lie, isn't there, that we can, we can begin to try God's patience. Yes. You know, there, there's this thing of, when we're aware of the heart of the issue often, but it's still in that process of being dealt with because it isn't like you discover the root and bam, it's sorted. Often God takes us on a journey of that being fixed and restored and made whole, and then we realise, oh, actually, there's a whole other layer and a whole other layer. Uh, and, and you can feel like, oh, I've done it again. And I've done it again. And God's like, well, you've done it, but there's no again for him because he's, mm. he hasn't got it. This is the seventh time that you've done this. Mm. this is, there's mercy again for this. There's mm. mercy for this. There's mercy for this. So I think definitely, no matter what you think about forgetting, you know, we can agree to disagree. What we have to agree on is that God is not counting the number of times he's had to forgive you for the various things that go on. Mm. And that's really important. Yeah, I, I feel that um, one of our hindrances with God's forgiveness is our human experience. And, and we know, as you rightly say, Rachel, we, we, we do forgive, but it is that inability then to lose the memory of, of that. And um, so when Jesus says, and when God says, I'll remember your sins no more, we, we, we go, well, that's a foreign concept to us. And, and God is all-knowing. So how do we reconcile the one who is all-knowing with this, this concept uh, of him then remembering my sins no more. And, and, and I think, you know, you have to bring somewhere in the mystery of God, both are true. Mm -hmm. Both are true. But it is important that for us as, uh, as Christians, if he has truly lifted off the weight of sin, if it is utterly forgiven, that there isn't a day when he's going to bring that list out. No, he has deliberately, intentionally put that out of his mind, God's, God's remembrance. So, you know, we, we touched on this before. M many believe that on the day of judgment, they're going to have all their stuff revealed to, I don't know, 10.8 billion. Depends on how many people, when Jesus comes back again, I suppose. Yes. But, uh, you know, current counting is probably about 9 billion people have lived on the earth since day one. I, I don't know, something like that. But, but the reality is, is that it's not going to happen. Mm. We do not have to fear that because before the throne of grace we're going to stand uh, and that is again one of those wonderful freeing uh, things I, 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 I love the, the separation business I, I think the fact that we are separated from our sin has, has wonderful connotations for me because the, the, the thing is that God doesn't want our sin to pollute us again um, and so he, he puts us, if you like, in isolation from our past. <laughs> Socially distanced. Socially distanced, <laughs> absolutely. And, and, I, and I love that. And, and, you know, we're talking, and we're not laughing about COVID, but it's interesting, isn't it, that in the context of the transmission of this disease, proximity mm. is really important. Mm. But Jesus doesn't want us, God doesn't want us falling back into our past sins. So he, he does this wonderful act of separation, which, which is both for him, because he's a holy God, he won't look on sin in that way, 
He, he wants to embrace us. We, we, he wants to come and live in us. He's the holy God who lives and dwells. And so, so he separates us from it. I think it's just marvellous because it, it, it breaks. It can, if we come to this with faith, it breaks habitual sin just like that because actually the, the, the roots and that are just pushed away from me. Uh, it's not on a list that I have to keep coming to and coming to and coming to. And, and this whole thing of am I a sinner saved by grace or am I a saint living by grace? And the answer is, no, he remembers my sin no more. So yes, I came as a sinner saved by grace, but now I'm a son. I come as a son to my father in heaven. And I haven't got to go through the penitence of there was this and there was that and the guilt and the shame that, that goes with it. So, it, you know, sometimes I, th I, I do believe that the Christianity is too good to be true. And mm -hmm. I think forgiveness comes into this extraordinary, uh, extraordinary uh, category because, as I say, I think our human experience is so far from actually the perfect nature of God's forgiveness. We are free from our sin. Yeah. We are free. I'm really looking forward to the day when we can get Mark excited about something. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, obviously, in this podcast, we're exploring grace as a concept. Yeah. So, uh, grace is uh, part of the nature of God, God's glorious grace. And I think there's the danger, and we, I think we've highlighted it once or twice before, that as you go through Ephesians chapter 1 and you talk about things, we, we're seeing God's grace towards us, but they almost don't require grace. Like, He could have just chosen us, mm. you know, that would have been fine. It's only when you begin to understand the cost. Yes. of choosing that you begin to see the extent of grace yes. and so really as we talked about last time when we get to redemption it, like, it costs God something to redeem us yes. when we get to forgiveness we realize that it, it cost God a high amount to do this like it's not like he just goes one day oh yeah I just just separate it mm. it was a, a serious deliberate intentional costly act for mm. God to separate sin from us because it required sending his one and only beloved son mm. into the world to suffer and die and i think that understanding of grace on show where god pays a high price for this so it's not just he wants to forgive us but that he's prepared to do whatever it takes mm. to forgive us that begins to show us something of the extravagance of the love of god uh, and the grace which is poured out in this thing brilliant mm. So that's the end of part one, which means it's time for a moment's refreshment. I'll hand over to Rachel. <laughs> Halftime oranges. Halftime oranges. I'm really excited about this one, guys. <laughs> so I'm not, if you've, if you've ever seen this, it's, it's a, a thing that happens on the radio called unpopular opinion. It's uh, when, when each one of us gets to say a, an opinion that up till now we've hidden because we know it would be unpopular. And so what is one thing that you've really wanted to say, but you haven't said that now we're just going to say. And so shall I start off to just model vulnerability? Yeah, you, you model, that'd be helpful. All right. So my unpopular opinion that I feel I need to say is Christmas pudding is the worst pudding. <laughs> Forgive her Lord. She is sin. It is. She it's knows not what worst. she says. I take spotted dick over it. I would take I would take anything over Christmas pudding. It it's mushy and moist and, and not in a good moist kind of way. And it's just sickly sweet. I can't I can't do it. I can't do it. I've been here 18 years. It's the worst pudding. Wow. Yep. 
I don't know how I feel about it. Friendship gets stretched sometimes, doesn't it, really? I've tried so hard, but I just want to say, I just feel like I need to say it. I feel, oh, I feel It's very really... apt that you bring this halftime oranges to a session on forgiveness, isn't it, Rachel? <laughs> well, go on, Adam. What's your unpopular opinion? Go on. Um, okay, I'll go more spiritual. Okay, do it. My unpopular opinion is that I don't like the blessing song that came out at the beginning of the COVID. <laughs> and lockdown. why not? Justify yourself. <laughs> I don't it have won, to justify myself. It won a governmental Jesus has award. justified me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wow. not sure about the, uh, uh, the hermeneutic of singing a blessing like that. You over can't the just nation. drop the word hermeneutic in and make it mean something. Come on. But it, what it does is it, it protects me from some people coming back at me. <laughs> I'm just not sure that's what that blessing is for or go. how it operates. And I'm not a big fan of the ongoing repetitive it's a little bit like oceans now i don't mind oceans but like i have been in settings where oceans has been sung for 20 minutes because you just can't get out of the never-ending bridge chorus repeat and it, it feels a little bit like that in the blessing song too oh we got two unpopular opinions for the price of one on that one little oceans thrown in did, there did you not notice the disclaimer that i'm not dissing oceans i'm just yes comparing I, I understand you. that i understand thanks thanks oh that was a good one i'm, I'm really pleased with that one all right. Uh, I hope you at home are thinking of your own unpopular opinion and share it with whoever you're listening with. But uh, Mark, go on, give it to me. What's your unpopular yeah, opinion? Yeah, so this is a real test for people, please, isn't it, having an unpopular opinion? <laughs> Absolutely. So my unpopular opinion is right up to date, right at the moment. I don't think we should be celebrating Christmas. <gasps> Stop the tape! <laughs> The rest of this podcast this, this will is now going be out this. after Christmas, sadly. <laughs> so it's not going to have any influence. But tell me, I, tell I me. Would not celebrate Christmas this year. Oh, just this year, N- not Christmas full stop. Oh, not just Christmas this year. This year. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. oh, man! I thought this was a whole. But it raises an issue for me because the incarnation is a most wonderful thing. If I've got to explain hermeneutic, you've got to explain incarnation. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so incarnation, Jesus coming. To earth, God coming as a baby, being born of a woman, coming into our society, wearing our skin, living like us, is such an amazing thing. For Christians, we should have no concern that the festival is cancelled because it should be a daily thing with us. God Emmanuel is our is our is our life. It's our should be our lifestyle. So, so actually, I uh, you know I there are carols and people know I love carols. I love to go carolling, because actually some of the words in those carols are just dripping with grace and, and, and with the gospel. But I I personally would literally flatten Christian Christmas this year. Wow. And uh, because of COVID. Just because of COVID, I would I would flatten it. I would have nothing to do with it. I I think yeah, and I have some wow. other things. But that would be my opinion. I love it. Well, there you go. Unpopular opinion. That just made me want to giggle the whole time. I feel like we just did something naughty. Excellent. Fantastic, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that at home, and I hope you have your own unpopular opinions that you feel emboldened to share with those you love. Wow. Man, we should just do a podcast about unpopular opinion, shouldn't we? When we finish Ephesians chapter one, that's what we'll do. Season two. Yes! God's glorious grace in action. <laughs> extending grace to the unpopular opinions. Dun, 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 dun. That we know and love. We've 
going to move seamlessly into section two. There's more to that than you realise. Moving <laughs> <laughs> to walk in disagreement. Yes, there we go. Divine grace. We're already here, aren't we? We're, oh, we yeah. are well and truly into part two. <laughs> uh, we we asked the question: How does this truth that we've been looking at in part one come to bear in our everyday lives? How do we bring it into our spheres of influence? And so, really. This is a big part of why we split this session in two, because there's just so much that we need to talk about when it comes to forgiveness. And we're going to try and hem ourselves in, in this second half, to what does it mean to live as one who has been forgiven? So there is, as we've already mentioned, other areas we will go into about um, forgiving others. And I think we're going to have a whole episode about that coming up next week. But for now, what does this truth about the fact that our sins have been forgiven by the grace of God. How does that mean that we live as one who has been forgiven? I said the same thing three times in different ways. That's what people do. <laughs> really what I'm looking for is one of you two to interrupt me. Please. Oh, let, me let me interrupt you Save there, Adam. Me. Let me interrupt you there, Adam. I, I have some things to say. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. <laughs> You're welcome. Friend. Thanks. Uh, I, I was really intrigued by this, just in my journey of it. I remember going through a period that I think is very biblical in that other people in the early church struggle with this, that once you think, I'm forgiven, wait a minute, I'm forgiven once and for all, right? So therefore sin isn't that big of a problem anymore. Mm. And so, you know, in the early church, there were people who were like, well, I could basically do anything I want, right? And for me, as a teenager, I sort of latched onto this idea of diplomatic immunity. I like it. So, you know, it's sort of like the, technically, I don't have any consequences for this, right? And, you know, you, you see in, you know, movies and things, you know, people have diplomatic immunity or, like, arrogant and can do whatever they want and take advantage of it and things. And I think I did definitely go through a season where I wasn't conscious of sin because I was more focused on what I could, on the unpunishable, unpunishableness of it, the, the freedom that it brought rather than the, the fact that this, the freedom that forgiveness of sins gives me is the freedom to walk side by side with God and to walk in holiness when I couldn't achieve that, rather than it just being about, can I get away with this sin? And is this about me groveling in front of God anymore or not? And I think for me, that is something that maybe it's just a natural part of this, that it's freedom, but it's not freedom to just do whatever you want. It's freedom to walk in a greater level of holiness than we ever could have achieved before. <laughs> that is a good thought. That's a really good thought. <laughs> a a well-constructed opening. Yeah. Thanks. For another us. volley. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, for me, as I said earlier, forgiveness of sin is about freedom. And by nature, I am introspective, and I've had to work my way out of being introspective. And so I would be one who would confess his sin with great tears and be, feel very bad about myself. And then did that very holy and pious thing of remaining unhappy in myself and mm. feeling guilty and shameful because somehow I could not lift my head up to see myself as, as God saw me. So there was this, what I call the wallowing post-forgiveness of sin. And it took me years to realise how damaging that was. Mm. And, and so reading Philippians 3, where Paul says, putting everything behind me, I'm straining forward. I'm thinking, well, how can you, Paul? How can you live? How, how can this murderer 
this, uh, you know, we sometimes get very awe about Paul because, you know, he was attacking the church. No, he just murdered people. Let, let's be clear about it. He imprisoned people, yes, for their faith, but it was murder and, and it didn't, doesn't qualify for anything. It, it was that. But here is this man living free from his past, being aware of his past because he brings it up, doesn't he, in his letters. Uh, and, and, and so there's this dichotomy of to receive the forgiveness of God is to release me from a false piousness which mm. says, now I must feel terrible about myself. Mm. Yes. And the volume of tears does not equal the quality of God's forgiveness. God's perfect forgiveness is applied as soon as I confess my sin. Mm. And, 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 and what you said earlier, Rachel, about I don't come to God and he's got the endless list, 77 times 7 of times I have done that. I come as a fresh come and receive fresh mercy. And, and the shocking thing for me was when I realised that actually this wallowing was a blasphemy against the cross. Because mm. actually what I'm saying is it's finished, but it's not. Yes. Mm. I need to add a bit. I need to do something. I need to do my penitence mm. to somehow earn that, that forgiveness. It was a very, very poor and very dangerous place uh, to be in. But the, the joy of realising, no, that is, n is not the place that I am in that moment forgiven. Mm. And it is lifted off me. And even in my sinfulness, my sonship was not affected. His love was never changed. The consequence of it, it was all bound up in who he was, was so wonderfully freeing, such a, a, a joy. So uh, f we're talking about what's the outworking. The outworking is that moment of faith that I have confessed I am free. Mm. Yeah. And so, this is a great place to start, we've really highlighted the two ditches on either side of the road yes. of forgiveness of sins, yes. haven't we? That one is, oh, because I'm forgiven, I can do anything, and the other is, well, kind of forgiven, but I think I need to add a little bit of my sadness to the yes. bloody death of Jesus to really make that active. You're like, well, both of those are pretty abhorrent, pretty offensive to the yeah. Christian message, and yet vast swathes of the Christian world seem to dwell in there a little yes. bit, and there's... Uh, so vital and so important that we find the, the road in between the two mm. and we get to walk down, I think. And both of you have touched on it, which is that really what this uh, forgiveness of sins has purchased for us is the ability to walk relationally with God. Yes. Mm. So it's freedom to be with God. Mm. It's, um, it's not freedom to do whatever I want, it's to be with him. And if I don't have forgiveness, actually I, I can't walk with him. Mm. I need forgiveness to get close to him. We've talked about the holiness of God already. Uh, do you think sometimes the reason that we stray into those ditches is because we don't realise how big a prize getting to be close to God in that way is? Like, I'm trying to work out why do we, why do we stay, why do we hit those ditches? Is it that we haven't realised how good the middle of the road is? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, when you were talking just then, I was thinking, no, this is about my heart of devotion. This is about understanding how much he loves me and actually this whole relationship is a love relationship we don't like using the word romance 
but it is, it is it's deeper than a romance uh, you know we're going to be the bride of Christ and it's strange for a guy to say this but <laughs> but we are going to be the bride of Christ this is this is not um, this is not a cold there is nothing cold about it when we when people say oh Christianity is all about relationship actually they're absolutely right and 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 that, that love for him that recognizing that he is the best. He is the pearl of greatest price. He is the treasure in the field that I've thrown everything out mm -hmm. to get. When, when we come into that, then actually sinning becomes a, 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 a painful thing, a, a, the difficult choice, not the easy mm -hmm. choice, because actually I love him. Mm. And I love living under the warmth and the experience of that love. For me now, there is nothing worse than feeling... I'm not aware of his presence at this moment. Mm. I hate that moment. And, and I ask myself, when that happens, there's, there's about five questions I ask myself. And one of them is, Lord, is there something you've asked me to do I've not done? And is there something, Lord, Holy Spirit, that I've done that you want to talk to me about? Mm. Because I love his presence. His presence is the most beautiful thing. And, and so it's, it's such a dynamic that we live in, in that relationship with him, that you're right, the middle road is the greatest road. Why would I sin? Why would I go into the, the, the license mm. side? And why would I wallow? Actually, no, I want to be with him. Being with him is the greatest expression of our lives. And it's when I'm the freest and the most joyful. So I, I think this is a real heart thing. I think for me also, there's something about the transformation that comes through relationship yes. that is really helpful for me, that it's not just about, about me and Jesus face-to-face -face in, in a sort of static no. experience. And so for me, I sort of began to think of it um, like gymnastics, because when I was a kid, I was in gymnastics. I did like three hours a day. And I picture it almost like being on the, on the balance beam. It's a narrow path, this beam that you're on. It's a narrow path, and you fall off a lot. And you get back on and it's exhausting to get off and get back on and to make mistakes. And there's a cost in making mistakes. But you keep getting back on because you get better at being on and you transform into someone who can walk the path better and to do more and more exciting things on the beam. Yes. And I just keep getting reminded that I am daily being transformed to be more yes. like him. And I will make mistakes and I need to learn from those and I need to get back on and and yes. and put that behind me and get my brain back in the game to continue the journey of transformation. And I think for me that's what the middle path looks like. It's pursuit of relationship and pursuit of transformation, expecting that I will make mistakes and grateful for the process of getting back on and putting that behind me and continuing the narrow path journey as I become more like him. I love that transformation thing because um, uh, Sharmini and I, we've only been married just over two years. And it is funny how actually uh, in the closeness of our time together, because we actually have been blessed with an extended uh, period of time just being together, uh, and um, how actually mannerisms from one another are, are, are rubbing off and, and, and we're finding ourselves even saying the same sentence at the same same time <laughs> which in my experience comes normally much later in marriage but it's like we've, we've been on this accelerated uh, uh, thing and so actually just walking with Jesus is transformative Paul, Paul says you know that we're all with unveiled faces gazing upon him 
are transformed from one degree of glory to the other. And, and so sometimes that transformation isn't a crisis moment. It's not, it's, it's not even a preaching moment. Mm-hmm. It's just being in the presence of, of our Father in the daily grind, the daily walk of life. Actually, that's, we become like him. Sometimes I, I am surprised, like 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 Rishamne and myself. It's quite surprising. Going, well, I, I was saying that. I thought, you know, <laughs> I thought that too. And, and, and I, it, it is that sense of presence. It's being with brings that 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 transformation and that delight as well. Um, People won't know, but but we've we've done a, an interview with Terry. Uh, they will just know because it's yesterday. live already. Oh, it's gone live already. Yeah. Um, an interview with Terry, a, a Adam, and myself. So just a, one of the joys was seeing this dear man, who for fifty years now has been walking in the revelation of the grace of God, and his eyes just sparkled with the joy of devotion, and it was very interesting. The spark for him was he observed a man having a devotion to God, a love for God that Terry knew he wasn't his experience. Yeah. And so forgiveness opens that door for this extraordinary uh, exploration of, of relationship with God. Uh, and, and it just ignites love for him. Yeah. Terry talked about how this guy, David Mansell, wasn't yes. it? just seemed so relaxed and comfortable with God yes. mm. and I think you know we were straying towards a, a natural segue into well because we're with Jesus we become like Jesus and therefore we become forgiving and we're going to go there in part in the second part of this next week uh, but let's stay here for a second the reason that, that this is amazing is that we have it and yes. I think it's worth highlighting as you go through Ephesians 1 sometimes there are things that we have already, yes. and sometimes there are things we're going to get. Yes. But when it comes to the forgiveness of sins, it, you know, the words are, we have the forgiveness of sins. Yes. This is done, it's present, it's a reality. And so this transforms now. Yes. And so it, it's really worth just nailing down. Well done. We, we have the forgiveness of sins now. We're not waiting for it. No. It's not, we've got to do X, Y, and Z before we get it. It's as we come to God... Uh, we get life. We, we get forgiveness as we turn in repentance to him, as we accept Jesus, as we uh, respond to the love that we see. Boom, you've got it. Forgiveness of sins. And that means that you can yes. be relaxed and comfortable in the presence of God. And I think that it seems so simple when you do that, but it's so, it seems, seems so hard. And all of our stories will be, it's hard to wrestle this in mm. to your consciousness. And again, one of the things Terry said was you need to go layer upon layer go over grace again and again he's like some places I go they just preach grace once and they think everyone's going to get it but it's year upon year he's like it took me four years to put this into the church I was in in the early 70s and you go actually the reason we're doing this podcast the way we're doing this is layer upon layer grace upon grace you know we have it we have the forgiveness of sins we don't have to give penance we don't have to add to the death of Jesus we don't uh we don't have to go and sample the world's best to realise that God is better. No, we, we have it. And so we can be relaxed yes. with him. We can be comfortable with him yes. right here, yes. right now. There's, there's no stress no. to the Christian life. There's no anxiety mm. about our position before God. We don't have to dread the day when uh, we'll stand before him. Yes. We don't have to worry what will happen if we come into his presence. We don't worry how he's going to respond to us. I know yeah. as a parent and as a child, you're like, there were moments where I really wasn't quite sure how I was going to be responded to, or uh, yeah, what the response to me would be. And 
Actually, that's never the case with God. No. You're never going to want to come to him. He's going to go, no, 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 no. You're in trouble, young man. You know, he, we, we can come always and forever because we have yes. forgiveness of sins. That's, that is an incredible truth. So the question then is, as you've mentioned, the struggle of our minds. And again, uh, just picking up on something Terry said, in terms of we have an accuser. And this is why this is such a struggle for us to break into, is because we have one who, it says, accuses the brethren day and night. Uh, we know he's a liar, and he'll feed lies, but he is the accuser. He loves condemnation. Because condemnation takes my eyes off him, off Jesus, and puts them on me. And as soon as he gets his eyes on me, I find the defence of the realm coming up. I try to justify myself rather than actually putting on this breastplate of righteousness which has been given to me and saying, well, it was never my performance anyway, Satan, you know. But I think that's the, the root of the problem. We must realise that though we've talked gushingly and rightly about the wonder of this, it is the point of battle. It is yeah. the point, mm. which is why in Ephesians 6, Paul takes his time and goes through the armour of God. Why? Because he wants us to stand in all of Ephesians 1. He doesn't want Ephesians 1 to be a list that we put on the wall and tick off or like a value system or a mission statement. He wants us to experience it. And so he knows it's ground that we win, but it's ground that's got to be uh, sustained. Having done everything to stand, we stand firm. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, the whole thing of renewing our minds is, is essential, actually, for walking in the joy of our, our forgiveness. And we must recognise, actually, good commanders know how their enemy is going to attack them. And we have it. The enemy, the enemy is powerful, but he is defeated. But he does attack us constantly in the same way. And so that when people say, well, this is hard, my mind, are actually, yes, because it's a battleground. It is a battleground, and the arrow is condemnation to get us off grace to get us mm. off the righteousness of christ yes. so it's an accusation and i think this is also something that's really significant about the power of the church because we aren't on our own in that no. battle and i think that is what is so powerful about you know what god speaks over and over and again yes. in scripture about the purpose of the church is it's not just to preach and get new believers but there's something about the spurring each other onto good works and yes. encouragement and the reminding each other of truth and singing songs that remind us of what this is that there's something about we're not on the field on our own with just the accuser and us and and the renewing of the mind but we are surrounded by people who will say that's not true and we're surrounded yes. by people who will encourage you and yes. to pull you out and to speak truth into you and, and that's why the season has been so hard because we haven't been around the people who will look you in the yeah. eyes and greet you yeah. with god's heart and there, there's such a a powerfulness in the church and yes. that to me is such an encouragement yes. Of, of why we need each other. It's it's not just uh, to give ourselves a community, but it's so that we can be reminded of the truth of the forgiveness and who we are in that. Absolutely. So the text again is so helpful here, isn't it? It's in him we have. Yes. It's a corporate thing. Wonderful. Not, an, not only an individual thing, it's something we all have Wonderful. and we have together. And yeah, so helpful. We're going to be back to talk about this some more. And uh, at the end of that, I'm sure there'll be other things that we still want to say on this topic. But it's been an absolute pleasure. We like to finish these times by praying oh, yes. that this would become even more real in our lives and in our hearts. Last time, Rachel said, Adam, you pray. And I said, no. 
and then I cut that bit out of the recording. So today, I will pray. Yay! How about that? I'm so happy. <laughs> Father, we are blown away yes. again today yes. by this incredible truth that you have purchased for us the forgiveness of sins. What grace. Yes. <laughs> what grace. Extraordinary. And God, we, we recognise that this is something that we fight for in our minds, that we stand on, that we hold on to. It's also something that's granted to us by your spirit that you bring revelation and understanding. And God, we, we, as we go through this discipline of reminding ourselves and pouring over it again to get it deep into who we are, God, we also ask that you would send your spirit to make it real in our lives, to reveal to our minds the places where we haven't yet grasped the fullness and extent and lavishness and extravagance of your grace for us. God, would we know ever more deeply that we are those whose sins have been forgiven? I pray right now for each and every one of us listening that we would know the grace of God means that our sins, every one of them, yes. has been forgiven. Come on. Thanks. And we, we pray for anyone this morning for whom that is new news. Yes. Maybe you've been around church a very long time, but you've only really grasped it today. God, we pray that you would bring life to their heart in yes. such a way that Come they would on. know they're forgiven Thank and you, that Jesus. they would enter into a greater level of intimacy and relationship with you as a result of this incredible truth that Jesus Christ died once for all yes. for the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Amen. Thank, Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Wonderful. Amen. Precious. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We do hope you'll join us for part two to hear the rest of, or some more of the rest of the uh, implications uh, and understanding we can gain from this truth that uh, in him we have the forgiveness of sins. Until then, uh, if you have enjoyed this, please do leave us a review. You might want to hit the subscribe button too or send this podcast to a friend that you think might be interested or would find it helpful. We're going to be back next week with part two, staying on the same phrase again. And until then, hope you have a great week. God bless. And we love having you with us. Yay! Bye! Bye! Bye.